0: Hello, hola, and I am your host, Daniel gumby Freelin, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. And of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Brunson versus Till, live from the Apex, an exciting middleweight tilt, which of course we won't be talking about at all because this is the Prelim Primer. That's right, this is the one and only place where you can come to to get just prelim action. Now, For those of you who are wondering why, why have a place where you just come to get information on the prelims, why not break down the exciting fights that we know top these cards? And the answer is pretty simple. The answer is that we probably know that you have a place where you go to find out about Till or Brunson. And on top of that, you probably already know a ton about Till and Brunson and Tom Aspinall and Sergei Spivak who are headlining and co-headlining these cards. But you probably don't know a lot of the names that are on the prelim portion of these cards, and that's why we're here to help. Because whether you're playing daily fantasy sports, or you're gambling, or hey, maybe you just want to win your pick 'em contest, you need that information because you're not going to win without it. Another thing you're not going to win without, and I would be remiss if I did not mention, this episode of the prelim primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there's so many previews, recaps, analysis, podcasts. There's more than you can shake a stick at. It's too much. And when you're looking to get that insight so that you can have an edge, it's hard to block out some of the noise from what really matters. And that is why you should download the All-Star app. They provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world and all of the incredible content is packaged right into an intuitive, fully interactive app, right in the palm of your hand, and it's free. That's right, it's free. Don't have to worry about paying for it. There's lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'll be getting to a little bit later on in the show, but for right now, go to the All-Star app in Google Play Store or the App Store or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, in order to break down these fights today for Brunson versus Till, I, of course, have to be joined by a co-host to help me give you the insight that you need. Joining me today from, you might know her from The Bloody Elbow or mmaprospects.com. Of course, I'm talking about Kristen King. Kristen, thanks for joining me again.
1: Thank you so much for having me back. I picked a good week to come back, so I'm ready to get started with these breakdowns.
0: All right. Well, let's start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Patty the Batty Pimblet making his UFC debut against Luigi Vendramini. So, as I mentioned, Pimblet is making his UFC debut. He is 16 and three on his career. He's had a two fight winning streak and he most recently fought back in March at Cage Warriors one twenty two. Vendermini meanwhile, one and two in the UFC. He lost to Ferris Zayem back in June and kind of a tough striking match for him. So I'm gonna go out and say this. I think Paddy Pimblet has probably got more hype than just about any prospect I can remember in in recent memory and and certainly in in this era of of the UFC. Are you buying the hype behind Paddy Pimblett even before his first UFC fight?
1: Man, I feel like I have no choice but to buy the hype behind Paddy Pimblett. I mean, he certainly has a very impressive record. And it's obvious how great of a fighter he is, especially when it comes to the grappling. I mean, anyone is in trouble against Paddy Pimblett if that fight gets to the ground. And he certainly has these highlight reel finishes and uh, a pretty bold personality so it is definitely hard to look away from someone like patty and i i am most definitely tuning in to see how he looks in his ufc debut because as you know he has turned the ufc down before twice he said he didn't feel ready yet now apparently the third time is the charm he feels ready and only time will tell if he is certainly ready and we get to see a little bit of patty Pimblet on saturday so i'm pretty excited for it
0: yeah, I'm excited for it too, but I will say, I feel like they didn't do him a lot of favors in this debut, right? Because like like you said, he's a guy kind of known for his submission skills, right? But maybe not necessarily his wrestling. Right. And he's fighting a guy in Vendramini who actually wrestles fairly well. He doesn't have a ton of takedowns on his record, um, but he defends him pretty well if you've seen him, which he, he hasn't actually had any shot on him in the UFC, but if you've seen him on the regional scene, he stuffs him pretty well. So... I guess my question to you here is, do you think Patty Pimblett has the wrestling to get Vendramini down and do what he needs to do?
1: See, I don't know if Patty Pimblett is going to be able to take him down. I think it's more so about Vendramini pushing forward and getting the takedown against uh, Pimblet. But I'm wondering if that's even a good idea, especially since it seems like such a risky thing, because we know how well... Patty Pimblett is on the ground. So I'm just wondering, like, it's a very interesting approach from either fighter. I don't necessarily think Pimblett is going to do it. I feel like Ben Dramini might try to do it. And if he does go for a takedown, then that's to the benefit of Patty Pimblett, obviously, because we know what he does on the ground. So I guess we'll have to see what type of game plan either man is coming in um, to the fight with, because it really makes or break the fight. I certainly agree with you when you say it's a tough out. But I think the UFC wants to showcase that, hey, we're not feeding him these easy guys because there's so much hype behind him. And of course, we want him to get another win, but we also want it to do it in a way that makes him seem as legitimate as we've been propping him up to be. So I don't know. It really depends on what game plan either man comes in with.
0: Yeah, it it certainly does. And it will be interesting if Vendramidi decides not to take him down because Mm -hmm. I actually think he's probably got the advantage on the feet. Um, And Mm -hmm. then if if Pimblit's wrestling doesn't work well enough, we could see a a tough night for him on the feet too. But um, we are to the end of this breakdown. I got to get your prediction. Who you got in this one? How you got him?
1: Now, I'm going to be as brazen and audacious as Pimblet has been on the way to the octagon, and I'm going to go bold here. I'm going to say Pimblet by a first-round submission.
0: All right, and I'm actually going to differ. If you hadn't noticed, by the way, I'd phrase some of these questions, I'm actually pretty high on Vendramini here. He took uh, Elijah Zaleski Dos Santos' is back in his first fight. He won the first round off him, and that was up a weight, and I, I actually think he's going to do really well defending the takedown here, and I'm going to take him... By unanimous decision instead. Um, and next up, we're going to talk about Patty Pymwitz's teammate, Molly McCann, as she fights Yee Kim. McCann, after winning three straight in the octagon, has now lost two in a row to Lara Procopio and Talia Santos. Yee Kim, meanwhile, one and two in her last three. She got pieced up by Alexa Grasso in her last fight, and that was all the way back in August of 2020, so we're talking about 13 months away for her. Her real issue in the past seems to be her takedown defense. She's had a real tough time staying on her feet, and even Alexa Grasso got her down once. Do you think the fight here with Molly McCann is going to be more of the same?
1: I feel like it might be, because I know that a lot of people like to credit Molly McCann for her boxing, and she's certainly done very well in that that area, but as much as we talked about McCann previously, where I said she seems to have struggled a bit in the wrestling and grappling department, um, and that was obviously proven in her fight against Lara Procopio the last time she was out. She has improved slightly enough, and I think that slight margin is enough to be able to score a takedown on Kim, who, as you perfectly put out there, takedown defense, or the lack thereof, is just insane to me how she doesn't have any of that, especially considering that she used to be very good in that area. I don't know what happened, but I think the fact that McCann showed some improvement, she can definitely take down Kim. And I feel like that is the route that she's going to go, because if you look at this fight, especially in the advantages department, we're looking at a three inch advantage height wise for Kim and a 10 inch reach advantage for Kim in the in in the striking. And I'm like, why would you want to strike with someone who has that significant of a reach? So Molly McCann definitely has her work cut out for her, but I think she can be able to take her down and just grind the fight out there. That's how I see her winning this fight.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned too that like she has seen as a boxer and and she does actually have some decent wrestling, but I really think it's mostly from an offensive standpoint, right? Like when she <laughs> wrestles offensively, she does pretty well. When she wrestles defensively, she really struggles. So like I think if she goes in with that intent, she does have a pretty easy time taking Kim down and and I I'm going to go I'm going to go Molly McCann decision here. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Molly McCann decision as well.
0: All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app is definitely the player bios. Say you're looking to do a little bit of research about an upcoming fight, say, between Derrick Brunson and Darren Till. Uh, Well, you know, if you're looking to do some research on that, when you click on the fight itself right in the app, which is so easy to find in their scores tab, everything is super easy to find in their app, You not only get the fight that is happening and when it's happening and things like that, but you also get the opening and current lines. That's right. You get the opening line on Darren Till and then also the closing line on it. So you know where it's moving. Plus, you get the opening and current lines for the overs and the unders and things like that. But it's not just betting lines that is all right in the app, but they have full records dating back to their pro debuts and so much more information It's super easy to navigate and it's tons of information that helps you make good decisions. Once again, whether you're betting, playing daily fantasy sports or doing any number of things, trying to make picks. So I highly suggest go right now, download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store or the App Store or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jack Shore versus Ludovic Shaolinian. So, Shore, 3-0 in the UFC. His last fight was a split decision win over Hunter Asia. That was in April. Shaolinian, meanwhile, 9-1-1, making his UFC debut. He was recently on the Ultimate Fighter 29. This is a short-notice fight. He's filling in for about three different people who are supposed to fight Jack Shore. If you don't count Tough, he hasn't fought since September of 2019. But, of course, we saw him twice on Tough fighting Mitch Raposo and also fighting Ricky, uh, Ricky Tercios. So obviously not only that it's short notice, but this is a huge ask for Ludovic Shaolinian. <laughs> he, he's got some solid wrestling, but like, is that anything that, that Jack short should be seriously concerned about?
1: I honestly don't think so. When I saw that uh, Shaolinian decided to step in and take this fight on short notice, I said, wow. Props to you, but this is exactly how you said it. This is a very tough ask. I mean, I did watch uh, The Ultimate Fighter. I did watch this season, and I thought he looked decent in his quarterfinals and semifinals uh, appearances, but sometimes I was a little bit frustrated because it seemed like he would only kick into gear when he knew he was losing. So instead of just immediately going to his bread and butter, sometimes he would just get battered as he would tend to walk down Uh, people like Mitroposo and Ricky Tercios eat those shots, but he was still moving forward just so he could get a a takedown or two. And is that always going to work? No, not necessarily. And so do I think that that is the way he's going to approach the fight with Shore? Absolutely. Do I think that may be a bad idea? Absolutely. doubt that he would want to test shore on the ground as we've talked about jack shore before on the show and he's obviously a submission specialist but he's very technical and striking as well so the combination with that as well as his work on the ground makes him a tough out for anybody and to ask shalinian to kind of figure out the puzzle that is jack shore on short notice is just it doesn't seem like the best idea
0: yeah, and I will say this too, the one, the one thing I will say about Shaolinian's grappling that didn't impress me, because a lot did impress me, in order to, to mm-hmm. grapple Mitch Raposo that long, like, you have to be a pretty impressive grappler, It, it the one thing that didn't impress me was his scrambling and chaining takedowns together, because in that Ricky mm-hmm. Tercios fight, when he went to take Tercios down, Tercios just swept him, or, yeah. you know, used a wizard and changed the position, or like, I mean, Tercios wound up on top in a lot of those situations. And if not, at least in a position where he could get right back up. If you do that to Jack Shore, he's going to submit you. He's going to put you right to sleep. Um, if there's even a little wiggle room there for him to get on top and sweep you, he's going to use it. He's going to take your back. He's going to sink into choke. And uh, yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, that's probably where this one's headed for Shaolinian. Uh, I'll take uh, Jack Shore submission as soon as he wants it. How about you?
1: <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit safe with this one. I'm going to say Jack Shore by unanimous decision.
0: All right. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Julian Juicy J. Arosa versus Charles Jourdain. Arosa returned to the UFC one, two in a row, kind of in shocking fashion, but then did get knocked out by Sungwoo Choi back in September. Charles Jourdain, meanwhile, won one and one in his last three. That's one win, one loss, one draw. Most recently he knocked out Marcelo Rojo. That was in March. So, uh, my question for you here, these two kind of sluggers. They kind of like to let it fly. <laughs> they definitely have some, some technical aspects to their game, but sometimes they forget that that exists. <laughs> Which do you prefer if this descends into pure chaos?
1: Oh, man. This one is probably one of the fights on the preliminary card that I'm looking forward to the most, just because they are absolute sluggers, and I know exactly what I'm going to get. Um, as far as who I'd probably favor in a battle of strikers... I want to lean more towards uh, Jordan just because I feel like he's a little bit more accurate and powerful with his shots. And and I know that he can certainly take advantage of that against someone like Arosa, who is almost like um, a bull in a china shop almost because, you know, he's going to come forward. He's super aggressive. He's just going to punch his way forward. And I will admit that that definitely works sometimes and we've seen him get these knockouts before uh, but the other times we've seen him on the receiving end of a knockout and I guess that just depends on the type of opponent that he ends up meeting and unfortunately he has the tall task of meeting Charles Jordan which is probably not the opponent to just do the swing and bang thing with so I'm probably going to lean towards a little bit Uh, to Jordan in this fight unless somehow like do you know how some fighters get super tired trying to knock someone out (laughs) (laughs) I mean he could definitely wait for the right moment and Rosa could just take a beating and just wait for Jordan to get tired and then turn it around because you know Rosa is no stranger to getting like a random second win in a fight and then somehow he'll either take you down or just catches you with a heavy strike and then next thing you know it's over for you so I, I think there's a small error, like a window of uh, error there for Erosa, but I'm I'm gonna go with Jordan in this fight. I just feel like he beats into the punch.
0: Yeah, so I, you know you almost stole all of what I was planning on saying because I was going to say I, I favor Jordan in if he's uh, in most of his striking because I think he's more technical. I think he probably has more power. Uh, I think his game plan usually is better. And I also am going to pick Julian Arosa um, because he just has a way of making these fights so ugly. That Sean Woodson fight, it, it yeah. bothers me to this my core because like I like Sean Woodson. He looked so good in that fight until he didn't. And that's kind of the thing with Julian Arosa is he does get you into really ugly fights and sometimes takes advantage. So I'm going to say he makes this one ugly enough and just takes advantage. Uh, And so I'm going to take Julian Arosa by knockout. You said you're going to take Jordan. How are you taking Jordan in this one?
1: I'm going to say Jordan by first round knockout. All
0: right. I hope it's in first round knockout, regardless of who comes out on top. (laughs) And uh, that's going to do it for our second round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the last two fights in round number three. All right, guys. Just one more thing that I really love about the All Star app, and that is their news feed. If you're the type of person who gets your sports news from social media, stop doing that. Start reading the All Star app. They have a proprietary algorithm that brings you only the highest quality of sports news, and they do it all right in your little feed. Plus. if you want your feed to be a little bit more personalized, you can do that. You can only get the sports news that matters to you. Maybe you don't care about the English Premier League. Sometimes I don't really care about the English Premier League. Instead, I want my MMA news. I want my MOB news. And I get that all in the nice, neat feed right there on the All-Star app. And if that sounds like something that you'd like, you can go download the All-Star app in the Google Play Store or the App Store, or, of course, by visiting theallstar.io. all And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Dolce Luguiambula versus Mark andre Berrio. So Lugiaambula last won a decision over Marcus Perez. That was his 185-pound debut back in January. Berrio, meanwhile, had lost three straight. Then he picked up a win, although that win got turned into a no contest. So then he was 0 for his last four, but finally got back into the win column with a knockout of Abu Aziatar back in March. So my question for you in this one, we, we hinted a little bit at some cardio talk in the last fight, mm-hmm. Dolce Lugion Bula's cardio has been an issue for seemingly his whole career. It didn't look real awful against Perez, but I am still very worried about it. At 185 pounds. Do you think Marco Andre Barrio is the type of person who can exploit this?
1: 1000% when I saw this fight, I said, okay, well, this just screams striker versus grappler and it can go one of two ways. Lucian Bouya either catches him early with a heavy strike or maybe a flurry of punches, or he gets tired of doing that and ends up being controlled on the ground by Berio because we know that's exactly where he's going to be headed. And it's almost similar to the last outing of Berio where he um, fought Abu Azatar, and the first round did not look good for him at all. I was sincerely worried that this might be a stoppage for him. And then Asatar just kind of, that was it. That was it for the next two rounds. I was, did it end in the, no, it ended in the second and oh. third, third I think. round. Yeah. Yeah, third round, right? So he just ended up getting tired and controlled, dominated, and then ended up getting stopped, I believe, in the third round. And I can definitely see that happening against someone like Lucian Bula, who, as you said, we, he's had cardio problems. So if he's not going to get it out of there in quick fashion, burial is probably going to take over.
0: Yeah. And I, I'll say this too. So I just looked it up. It, it, he was not only in the third round, but it was with four seconds left. He got the stoppage. So yeah. yeah. And, and he took an absolute beating in the first round. And to be fair, he's taken beatings in other fights too. He fought mm-hmm. Jong Young Park, who has been known to dish out a beating or two. He fought Christophe Jaco, who uh, maybe not given out a beating, but very technical and, and pieced him up a bunch. And he doesn't get finished in those fights, right? Like he, right. he's he hasn't been finished in a pro fight in his life. And Dolce Lugiaambula doesn't have 15 minutes in him, especially at his pace. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think this is 100% the type of fight where Barrio is just going to start cruising after the first round when Dolce punches himself out. Um, and whether or not he gets the finish, I think that remains to be seen. But how do you like him winning this fight?
1: I'm going to go with unanimous decision.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take unanimous decision, too, because Dolce is pretty tough here. The only knockout he's had recently was that front kick knockout from Magomed Ankielev mm. up at light heavyweight. I don't think Barrio quite has that power, so I'll take him by decision as well. And that brings us to our final fight, which is Jonathan Martinez versus Marcelo Rojo. So Martinez was on a two-fight winning streak, but he was most recently knocked out by Davy Grant back in March. Marcelo Rojo, meanwhile, was knocked out by the aforementioned Charles Jourdain in his debut back in March as well. So both of these guys got knocked out back in March, but if you look at Rojo's fight, that dude looked really game because all he did was move nonstop forward towards Charles Jardine. He tried to march him down, whether he was hurt or not. How do you see that like moving forward nonstop style playing against a guy like Jonathan Martinez, who can be a technical striker in his own right?
1: Yeah, this this was actually the second fight that I was looking forward to the most on the preliminary card. Um, this is certainly going to be a battle between two fun strikers. Um, I like. How Rojo is able to just push forward and kind of overwhelm you with the volume of his punches, so I always think of that like, yeah, well, he certainly has a puncher's chance, but then I look at someone like Jonathan Martinez, who, as you said, he's very technical and can definitely get you on the outside um and pick his shots precisely, and they land too I just feel like oh man i i i I try not to give too much credence into um finish like the one that jonathan martinez just had against davy grant because i believe that was the first finish at least knockout loss of his career so i try not to give too much credence into thinking how much that would probably affect him but against someone like rojo who is just known to just bully his way forward i imagine you try to move out of the way kind of get on your bike um, but I don't know. I, I think Rojo could certainly find him on multiple occasions, but it does take a good shot to put Rojo down, as Charles Chardin, uh showed us. So it, this is going to be fun. This is just going to be a very, very fun fight, and either man has a good chance of winning. If I want to be smart about it, I'd like to think that someone who can stay on the outside of his punches and just piece them apart from there would serve better. So I, I'm inclined to go with Jonathan Martinez in this fight but I feel like it'd be a really stupid decision to just outright squash Marcelo Rojo and be like no he doesn't really have a chance because he does yeah. he does and it fights so interesting
0: yeah I, I agree entirely I, I think Marcelo Rojo's style is really interesting like you said especially coming off of that knockout loss how does Jonathan Martinez respond to that I think that is all interesting, but again, I I do think Jonathan Martinez, maybe not exactly like Charles Jordan, but like has some of that, I can pick you apart from the outside and get the hell out of there. And as long as he fights that kind of fight, I think he should have no problem with Rojo. It's just whether or not he can stick to that game plan nonstop for 15 minutes with somebody marching him down. And I'm going to say he does. I'm going to say he gets it done. I'm going to give him a unanimous decision win. How about you?
1: I'm going to say he gets it done by knockout in the second round. Let's see if he can live up to it.
0: All right. And that's going to do it. You guys got six fights in your ears in just a little bit over 15 minutes. We hope you learned something. And remember that you can check out all of Kristen King's writing. You can see it on her Twitter, at KristenKingMMA. And you can, of course, check that out at Bloody Elbow and MMA Prospects. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me back. I can't wait for the next card so we can do it all over again.